Hi, animal fans! So, after recording this episode, we had so much information that we decided to split it into two parts. So, we hope you enjoy part one! Hello there, animal lovers! Welcome to Animal Facts Podcast with Jayla and Nicole. We just want to remind everyone that we are not professionals. Just animal enthusiasts. We love learning about them, talking about them, and discovering new ones. And all the crazy things that they do. There are so many animals out there, and they are all so different. If we are misinformed, please, please, please email us at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com so we can correct ourselves. Some of the things we say may also just be our opinions. So just a reminder, we are enthusiasts, not professionals. You got this. I don't know what I'm doing, apparently. (laughs) It's okay. You ready? Uh, yes, I think so. <laughs> um, as ready as I'm going to. <laughs> Welcome to Animal Facts Podcast. I'm Nicole. I'm Jayla. <laughs> and we've got a really exciting episode for you guys today. <laughs> so, to start off though, a question about ourselves. If we could have any animal ability, what would it be? So, like, if we could have the ability that eagles have of, like, eagle eye vision or, like, flying, we would have that. Or, like, regrowing an arm like lizards can. Would we do that? Or would we go real creepy and have the ability to bite and inject people with venom like snakes? What would what would it be? Jayla? I totally didn't even think of the answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would probably... I have really, really bad eyesight. So I'd probably want something that would enhance my eyesight. So like eagle eyesight or being able to just see in the dark. Ooh. Like a cat. Yeah. Or uh, something like that. Nice. I wouldn't really want... The other thing that first came to mind was having gills. Like a fish and being able to breathe underwater but I I hate fish so much that I don't want that why do all of your answers somehow just like contradict your phobia I don't know I don't want a shark or an octopus I want gills (laughs) but I'm afraid of aquariums and fish because maybe because I think that would be I would be less scared of aquariums and fish if I had those abilities. That's fair. You wouldn't be afraid of, like, the aquariums cracking and drowning you because you'd be able to survive it. (laughs) That is legit my fear, guys. I hope you understand. (laughs) Makes sense for the aquarium part, but the fish part doesn't make sense. You're afraid the fish are going to slap you in the face. (laughs) I had nightmares about this happening. (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know. It's fine. Phobias are phobias for a reason. (laughs) Sometimes for no reason, but that's a reason, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Nicole. (laughs) My answer would be a mantis shrimp. Because they're also aquatic. Um, But they're really good at, like punching things they're they've been known to like break the glass of their aquariums because they can punch so hard and like the water around their little 
claw fist thing, <laughs> whatever they punch with, um, has been known Good to, like, sequel. boil. Like, they can boil water by moving so fast. And then they also have 16 cones in their eyes, so they see oh ridiculous, like, ridiculous. <laughs> they see, like, we don't know how many colors they can see, but they also can see, like, different ways that the light works. We'll have to talk about mantis shrooms one day. They're insane. They are insane. That's a really good answer, though. Thank and you. And you love learning about your eyeballs. That's only Those a recent. Eyeballs. That's only a recent thing that I've been obsessed with. Eyes are crazy. <laughs> they are. They can do a lot of crazy stuff. They can. And color blindness is insane. See, so both of our animal picks are eye related, though. Yeah, Isn't that interesting? I feel like you would want something that you would have extra cones because then you could see more colors because you're an artist. That's true. I would want those extra cones. Fish and insects do tend to have more cones. Well, I don't clearly want to be a fish. I know. <laughs> <sighs> What's well, something that can breathe underwater but isn't an aquatic animal? A mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> so a manatee? I could be a platypus. You could be. You'd only be able to hold your breath for 30 seconds to two minutes, though. <laughs> That's true. If you uh, missed that podcast, please go back and look. Yes, that was our very first episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay, trivia time. Jayla's got the first question. Did you forget your question? <laughs> question was number a- one. Was it about me? Yes. Oh, perfect. I, I remember that question. Oh, it's been a week. Um, our first question for trivia is, what is my favorite animal? I'll give you a hint. It's not a fish. <laughs> um, question number two. There are... 37 types of this kind of animal. That's so cool. Even I didn't know that. I kept it Um, a secret. That's true. Alright, I remember the last question, though. Good. (laughs) (laughs) What animal makes this noise? Drum roll, please. It's the red fox. That's what we're talking about today. The red fox. It's my favorite animal. That's right. Okay, so real quick. Female foxes are called vixen. Male whoop, foxes whoop. are called dogs or tods, which makes <laughs> fox and the hound so much better. Um, so cute. Babies are called kits. Cubs or pups, and a group of foxes is called a skulk or a leash. Um, the skulk um, is a Scandinavian word meaning wait, lurk, or move stealthily. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and then a little bit more information about the types. So there are 37 types of foxes, but only 12 are actually considered true types. 
of the Vulpus genus. I have no idea if I'm saying that right. Oh, but I, I tried. Um, and those 12 true kinds are the red fox, the fennec fox, the pale fox, the cape fox, the rupels fox, <laughs> um, Typeton sand fox, arctic fox, bangle fox, blandford's fox, corsic fox, kit fox, and swift fox. We're talking Ooh. about the red fox today. Um, and then some non-true ones. There's the gray fox, the bat-eared fox, the crab-eating fox, the island fox, the hoary fox, and Darwin's <laughs> fox. <laughs> Just to name a few. <laughs> wow. There's a lot of foxes. It is a lot of foxes. Now are you ready for your fox facts? Fox facts time! <laughs> See? It is hard to say. It is hard to say. Fox facts. Say that five times fast. Fox facts, fox facts, fox facts. <laughs> this is great. Thanks. Alright, I'm going to talk about the general body description and appearances of those foxy facts. <laughs> it's foxy appearance. Um, those Ooh, that was good <laughs> um so male foxes are known as dogs obviously and we talked about that so <laughs> sorry um males or the dogs are slightly larger than females or the fixins both males and females but particularly females have seasonal variations in their body weight so it fluctuates throughout the year and that could be due to like what they're eating how much they're eating if they're pregnant they're not pregnant what what they're doing you know they do different things <laughs> there are three main color morphs in the vulpus vulpus um and most of them are recognized as red silver black and cross um a pale yellowish color morph is common also in the arabian peninsula and within native species in north america so obviously that also varies from types of foxes and where they're living um, so like the arctic fox fox if you guys haven't looked at that that's white <laughs> because so it blends cute. in with the snow yes and the fennec fox is like desert color because it needs to blend in with its environment and so it's it adapts giant ears it they're does so have cute. giant ears in general the throat and abdomen are white for the red fox uh, lower legs and ears are black and a bushy tail is tipped in white which is my favorite part um <laughs> red fox's tip. tails yes <laughs> they always have that white tip is that no matter what kind of breed like species it is what kind of fox do they always have a white tip tail or is it just the red fox from what i could find in general they have a lighter tipped tail it's not always white like a red fox but okay. in general it is lighter tipped okay um cool but that's just what i found let us know if we're wrong yes uh, kits even at birth um before maturing their hair color has been established have the white tips so that's also pretty cool it is cute um, and the mature hair cute. color they are really cute oh look up those pictures guys foxes are adorable the mature <laughs> hair color is typically rust red with ranges um from darker to lighter and also intermixed forms from black to light gray or silver so sometimes if they're like old foxes they could have silver hairs oh, oh. <laughs> the fox also has a long pointed ears and a lot or 
long pointed ears, multiple ears, um, and a long thin muzzle. Um, adults have a head and body length of 570 to 740 millimeters. Sorry, I don't have that conversion for uh, Americans. Um, a tail length is 360 to 450 millimeters, and the weight is between 4.5 to 8.3 kilograms. Um, so weights vary throughout the year, as we talked about for specifically women, uh, vixens, uh, female foxes. <laughs> women, vixen, female. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but the average weight is six to seven kilograms for the male and five to six kilograms for the female. And the long bushy tail is a remarkable feature of the red fox. Again, my favorite aspect of the red fox. It's just so fluffy. I want to like curl it up around my face and just snuggle with it. Um, it's unquestionably, obviously, useful for warm covering and to wrap in the winter den. And also is thought to facilitate balance and rapid turning during prey chases. So it's not only really aesthetically pleasing, it's also useful. It's not aesthetically <laughs> pleasing. <laughs> well, it's not just aesthetically yeah. pleasing. It's actually uh, an important part of its body. <laughs> yes. So important that it is over half their body length. <laughs> so crazy. Isn't that awesome? It's 70% of its head and body length. In fact, wow. that's like the exact length. Dang. Um, yeah. So that's mostly about the appearance of the fox. Cool. Yeah. If I could have any animal's tail, I feel like a fox tail would be kind of cool. It's just so funny. <laughs> so um, fluffy, you're gonna die. <laughs> so fluffy, I'm gonna die. Okay, history. Oddly enough, the history was really hard to, like, kind of find, um, but then I eventually just kind of went down my own little rabbit hole, foxhole, my own little foxhole with its history. Um, so some of this maybe, I don't know, there was some contradictory slash just confusing information out there, but from what people know, it reached North America during the Illinoisan glaciate like glaciation i don't know how to say these words <laughs> um you're giving me thumbs up so i'm assuming i'm doing well you got it. i'm from the midwest guys ah. <laughs> you know that. so illinois <laughs> oh man see Sorry. it's hard um which was about 300 to 130,000 years ago and then during the sang sangamong interglacial period about 130 to 100,000 years ago they then expanded southward more of what we know today as like the northern part of the United States um they are native to <laughs> boreal and western mon montane portions which i had to look up what those words mean it basically just means they're native to the north and the western northern sloped mountain lands <laughs> mountains in the north they became more common in the mid 1800s and mostly expanded their population and environment as humans expanded their own regions no one really knows when they were first discovered there's a lot of like confusing information about that 
Um, but there was to be like a for, like a reported sighting in Alaska back in 1741, and then they also discovered about 16,000 years ago. Um, there's evidence of them in the Middle East from cave paintings and stone carvings, and then also it's not uncommon to find foxes buried with the humans. Um, they're still not really sure what the significance of the foxes were in that culture, but there are paintings and um, bones buried with them. So there you go. In like what is now known as Jordan and I think Israel. Interesting. <clears throat> yeah. I want to be buried with a fox. <laughs> wrapped up in that bushy tail. What does that say about me? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. You are obsessed with foxes. I know. Um, and then they started to appear more in stories as storytelling became more popular and well-known. Um, fox characters started to make their appearance, usually being perceived as tricksters, which makes sense. Um, according to one Apache legend, it was a fox who stole fire from the fireflies and introduced it to the earth. So that's pretty cool. That's, that's honestly cool the best story I found. <laughs> but I'll talk more about their stories later because they are batshit crazy. Um, <laughs> um, and then there's a common fox folklore in Japan named Kitsune, I want to say. Um, which if I'm saying and butchering all of these words, I apologize. <laughs> Um, which has inspired many other fox characters, um, which all of those characters usually delight in confusing and misleading and deceiving the people. And then foxes. So their history with humans, other than what I've already discussed. So they're not really domesticated, which I'm going to talk more about the Russian red fox, because that is a different domesticated fox. We'll talk about that later. But they have had some interactions with humans. Wild foxes don't have as much interaction with humans. They're usually pretty, like, they keep they keep away. Um, but there are urban foxes that interact with humans more regularly. They'll consider, like, a lot of people consider foxes as vermin in London because there's so many of them. And if you leave your doors open in the summer, they'll come inside and make a mess with your trash. And people will feed them in their gardens and in their yards and just watch them in the like from their homes. It is estimated that there are a quarter million adult red foxes in Great Britain. London alone has about 60 adult foxes per square mile. Isn't that crazy? That's a lot of foxes. Yes. So wild foxes versus like urban foxes are very different. And then they are one of the most widespread mammals in the world. They don't really know the exact population, but they estimate that it's tens or hundreds of millions worldwide. That's so many. Yeah. The IUCN Red List currently classified it as a species of least concern, which is the highest possible classification, meaning it requires no special com like conservation efforts. And I don't know if, like, the tens and hundreds of millions are just red foxes alone, or if they're, like, calculating all foxes. I'm not sure. But their population, there are so many that they are hunted for sport, and also just in general to remove them from the environment. So and sad. then, <laughs> yeah. But there are a lot of them, and they 
breed quite well. And then they, for the most part with their migration, red foxes kind of naturally expanded into like new territory. Um, they weren't really brought anywhere and like introduced anywhere except for in Australia. They were introduced in 18, in the 1830s. And that's what I've got for their history. That's a great history. Um, <laughs> I did a whole like science project about foxes being introduced to Australia back in college. Nice. Um, it's kind of insane. It is. It seemed like a great idea at the time. Oh, yeah. And now That's they're the like, problem. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> they have killed so many of their native animals. Yes. Whoops. All because some greedy person wanted to hunt foxes, mm-hmm. but didn't want to leave Australia. Yep. So they brought them over. Yep. It seems like a great idea, huh? Okay. <laughs> Well, you can find them almost anywhere now, so. I know, like, the history at first was kind of rough, but then it just kind of exploded in my face after a little bit. (laughs) As those population numbers went up, so did your facts. It's true, (laughs) it's true. (laughs) That's great. Alright, all the foxes are currently closely related to the wolf dog lineage so kind of about what nicole was saying there's not like an identifier of when they separated from the wolf dog like line um but it's estimated about 12 million years ago which Mm. is a long time it's a long time yes um recent work suggested that the foxes and other canids which i might also have butchered that first spread throughout Africa before invading Europe and then being brought over and now they're everywhere as Nicole explained. But origins of our modern day fox descended from the vulpus allopsoids. Words are hard. Words are hard. Which (laughs) also lived in southern Italy so there's that. It's a type of fox. That's all you really need to know. Perfect. Dumb it down for me. For me, too. <laughs> not just you. Fulp is literally just translates to fox. Oh. So foxes belong to the biological family of the Canidae. Kennedy, Basically dog family. Um, although they aren't as social as some of their cousins, typically hunting alone, um, which I'll talk about more later. Relatives include the wolves, jackals, coyotes, and both wild and domesticated dogs, like your puppies. My puppies. Nicole, they are related to the fox in some way or another. I believe it. However, foxes are not dogs, and they are not to be confused with dogs. The general rule of thumb that I found is that dogs are docile, so they're submissive. They're easy to train or have the ability to be trained. While foxes are feral, so they're wild, they're escape artists, they're crazy, they don't want to be tamed. They've got their own schedule. Like me. Um, <laughs> That's why they're your favorite. You relate. You're a fox. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> they did also evolve differently than dogs or domesticated dogs um, or their cousins, so the wolves, jackals, coyotes, so forth. Foxes are known to have vertical pupils and partially retractable claws, which makes them also commonly 
related to cats. So a lot of people compare foxes to cats because of their characteristics, but also because of their physical attributes. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So like a cat, the fox is most active after the sun goes down. So in the evenings and at night. And that's one of the reasons why it does have the vertical oriented pupils. It's to allow it to see in the dimmer lighting. Um, it even hunts in a similar manner to a cat by stalking and pouncing some of its prey. And we, we get more into how foxes hunt uh, because there's lots of different foxes and they hunt in different ways. And some of them have crazy videos out there. And that's just the beginning of the similarities to the cat, though. The fox also has sensitive whiskers and spines on its tongue. Not the whiskers. The whiskers are not on its tongue, but they're on its <laughs> muzzle. <laughs> Um, but the spines are in its tongue, so, you know, the little, like, things that help it groom itself. Oh, okay. It walks on its toes, which accounts for its elegant cat-like tread. I don't know if you've ever seen a fox walk, but it's pretty elegant. The foxes are the only member of the dog family that can also climb trees. Ooh. Gray foxes, which, obviously, we're not focusing on here, but gray foxes do have claws that allow them to climb and descend vertical trees quickly. Whoa. So sometimes they can even be found sleeping in trees like cats. Cute. And then they just jump down. So cool. That That's cool. what the foxes are related to. Now onto hunting. Obviously foxes eat a lot of stuff. A lot of people think that foxes are solely carnivores, but because they're also nocturnal, obviously a lot of other animals aren't out at that time, so they can't only eat um, other animals. So, it's an omnivore. Not a carnivore. Foxes will hunt and eat rabbits, mice, fowls, birds, insects, but they are less likely to eat trues and moles because then they have to do more work to find them and, like dig in the ground that's true did the little digging motion <laughs> um, foxes will eat carrion or animal waste um they Ew. also might encounter scavenge for roadkill trash dumps livestock awful piles which are like not live livestock and garbage cans <laughs> nicole you made the most disgusted <laughs> face it sounds gross. <laughs> Not live livestock. Gross. Yeah. Um, gross. They do also actively eat great quantities of earthworms, and in season, they'll eat fruits and berries, including blackberries and raspberries. So, so. crazy. They eat their fruits uh, and veggies. Well, they eat their fruits, at least. They do actually eat vegetables. Oh. Some people will find them digging up garden beds for nice. vegetables. So they do eat fruits and veggies. Non on a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> they eat pretty much everything. Nice. Um, yeah. Some of the techniques that the foxes use are to balance on their back legs while clipping off ripe blackberries from the thorny vines. And they have extensively described in the literature to have a great range of learned behaviors of which foxes can use to their advantage um so obviously there's stories about foxes and chicken coops and raiding vegetable gardens and getting past the fencing and sneaking into your backyard and going through your trash and all those things do happen but you know a fox gotta eat that's true they're more sly than a 
Trash Panda. <laughs> a trash Panda. A raccoon. <laughs> that was great. Thanks. There are also some studies out there that found that individual foxes have distinct feeding preferences, so they can be picky eaters too. Um, especially in captivity or in the wild, um, a bird-eating fox or a mouse-eating fox will also take uh, uh, need of other food, but they will specifically seek out birds or mice first. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so if there's like a decline in population for the mice, they will go and eat something else. You can also see that rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. Rabbit. Wow. Rabbit, rabbit. <laughs> rabbit and fox populations kind of closely fluctuate together. So rabbits will crash um, due to drought or diseases or whatever gets a hold of rabbits or hunting seasons. Mm-hmm. But then you will also slowly see those fox numbers declined and adjust to reduced prey populations. Um, So then as the rabbit population kind of goes up, it's a lot slower because those foxes are still actively eating rabbits. Yeah. Um, So you don't see it like just shoot back up, but it does fluctuate, which is kind of interesting. But it makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. So a lot of foxes that you find um, in urban environments are usually scavengers and will usually be the ones that are more inclined to eat the garbage or often cat. They've been found to catch pigeons or rats. So they're also like keeping our rat population in check. That's nice. (laughs) And then obviously cubs can't eat solid foods. So they'll eat the milk from the fixin'. And then, obviously, there's a lot of lore and stories about foxes eating lambs or chickens or poultry or even kids. Hmm. Um, they'll snatch kids, which is kind of scary. But I did look into that. It's very rare for a fox to attack a cat, a dog, or a person. Hmm. They usually okay. kind of are, like, wary of them, like, Obviously, it still happens, but it's not common. It's very rare. So That makes sense. I believe that. Yeah. Foxes can also hold up to one kilogram of flesh in their stomachs. So they have short (laughs) intestines. (laughs) All right. I should have prepared you for that one, Nicole. Um. They have short intestines, um, so characteristics of most predators, um, or through which they rapidly digest nutrient-rich food materials are quickly passed, and food begins to show up in the feces within five to ten hours. That's so Um, crazy. Yeah. So, later on, I talk about there's a lot of thoughts behind foxes killing for, like, sport, or, like, killing because they want to, or just because it's fun. That's not necessarily always true, but also (laughs) they have tiny stomachs. (laughs) They do. They need to eat a lot. (laughs) So they would have to eat a lot, right? Which means they have to hunt a lot, which means you better watch out for your chickens. Uh, (laughs) I don't have any chickens. I also don't. Chickens scare me. Chickens are kind of scary. Anyways, (laughs) that's a subject for another time. We can talk about chickens later. Um... (laughs) Cool. Threats and predators. 
threats and predators. So, obviously, the fox is a threat to chickens. <laughs> I'm glad we've established that. Yes. But they are also very efficient predators um, and will kill large numbers of prey, possibly more, faster than they can eat, obviously. We just kind of went over that. So, what they do with that extra prey is they'll actually bury it, and they're called buried... They're, it's called burying and catches. Um, so catching behavior is also very strong instinctive drive in foxes and is displayed even in captivity. Huh. Um, in habitats which burial of the food materials are not possible, they'll still like hide it in corners or under blankets or under whatever they can to kind of store it for later. Interesting. Yeah. Foxes also can be found playing with their food, even after they're dead, kind of like a cat. Um, and prey cool. location employs all of the fox's senses. Yeah. Cool. Um, so during daylight, vision is the most important prey locating sense. After dark, it's also... Olfaction is most critical. And I did not look that up, and I'm really sorry, guys. Um, Are you looking it up right now? Really quick. I am. It's the action of capacity or capacity of smelling. So in the daytime, they use their eyes, as most of us do. Yeah. Um, And at night, they use and rely mostly on their scent or senses, which is what the whiskers are for. Um, They also have whiskers on their back heels. Interesting. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. Weird. So, mm -hmm. the fact is, it is very weird. I was really shocked about that fact. They also have really acute hearing, obviously, with those big old ears, which are also really cute. Yes. Is used in both day and night hunting, and any squeaking sound, in fact, will attract foxes often from considerable distances. So they can have... I didn't find an exact number, but I know they can hear at long distances. I did. You did. I did. Where is my... Their hearing is insane. They can hear a squeaking mouse 300 feet away or a crow in flight a third of a mile away. Gosh, there you go. Those are those exact numbers. Nicole's got me covered. I got you, girl. (laughs) That's insane. Right? Maybe I want hearing as a fox to be my ability. Honestly, I was debating on choosing a fox, but I was like, but then it'll give it away. And I was talking about foxes. <laughs> That's true. Sharing all <laughs> of our so foxes. They're so crazy. Ooh, I want a tail of a fox and the eyes of a hawk and then the hearing of a Honestly, fox. Honestly, though, foxes' eyes are really cool, too. That's true. That's true. Which I'll talk more about that later, too. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I, I know <laughs> you what you're talking, what I'm talking about. about. <laughs> no, I know what you're talking about. I was wondering how, how much more in-depth you were going to get. That was it. That's all I was going to say for now. I guess you guys <laughs> are going to have to listen. To tell you more. <laughs> you're just going to have to wait and find out. Yes. Keep them on the line. <laughs> all the hooks. There you go. <laughs> Faxes also have a very well-developed sense of three-dimensional hearing. So due to the placement of their angled ears and those little, like, they're kind of cone capturing almost. Okay. Very similar to a cat. Or to, I guess, your dog, Nicole. Harley with the she's a husky Malamute mix. There you go. So she's got her ears that just constantly are like scanning all the sounds. Yeah. So if you guys don't know what three dimensional hearing due to the placement and angling of their ears are, think of Nicole's dog. <laughs> <laughs> yes, think 
of my dog. <laughs> Which helps with the very slight timing of displacements of the arriving sound waves. So foxes use hearing almost exclusively in the winter because the light and everything, you know, mm-hmm. as it hunts mice and fowls moving about in the sub variant space beneath the snow so that's one of the other things is obviously you've seen i well, i shouldn't say obviously i've seen <laughs> those videos of the foxes jumping headfirst into the snow mm-hmm. and nicole i'm sure you've seen that too i have seen you've you've sent me a few gifts of that <laughs> yes. and i watched a few youtube videos of it yes and so they do that and they can hear what is going on underneath the snow from my understanding and then they just jump so they can capture it and be fast and super cool do you want me to elaborate on that do you want to i don't know if you were going to cover that later if you want to cover that later that's totally cool okay cool um because we're talking about predators and threats obviously (laughs) we're just talking about foxes we are just talking about try to categorize it so it's easier for us to stay organized that is true but there's just so much about foxes. I feel like you just, you literally just go down a foxhole. This episode, I feel like it's going to be so long. Well, I'm sorry. It's my favorite animal. What can I say? There's so much information. I needed to know everything. <laughs> I don't even think I got that far. Uh, oh, man. Um, so... Foxes have an abundant amount of mites, fleas, ticks, and lice, um, and several mite species cause mange. So that's when their hair mats up, or they have hair loss conditions, or inflammatory. Many foxes observed in the wild are seen to be often heavily afflicted with mange, and they have a protective winter coat, but that doesn't always help. There's also a lot of blood loss and infection. So... Yeah, that's one of the main threats in the wild, and it's not always due to, like, a actual, like, bigger predator, but sometimes yeah. it's about the little predators. smaller one. <laughs> yeah. That's so sad. So that's one of the contributing factors to their deaths in general. There's also a lot of parasites, so, like, hookworm, lungworms, heartworms, all the worms, any worm. Obviously not earthworms because they eat those. Yes. Especially in regions where which, where do- domesticated dogs are also infected. Okay. So in dirtier climates or places or urbanization areas, if people aren't taking care of their house dogs or domesticated dogs, usually that can also affect the wild dogs in the area. There's also tapeworms, all the worms. All the worms. Yes. All those wiggly worms. Foxes are vulnerable to pesticide poisoning as well. Jayla's waving at her cat. Which is one of the main... (laughs) What what did I just say? Foxes are... I was distracted by you waving your arm trying to shoo your cat out of the room as if they understand what that means. I got distracted by my cat and those big old ears. Um... (laughs) Not foxy ears, but he's kind of fluffy. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. Foxes are vulnerable to pesticide poisoning, especially through biological manifestation of pesticide residues in their food supply of rodents and birds. Sad. 
So because somebody could put down rat poisoning, that also means that the fox who eats the rat could also be poisoned. Foxes are also subject to a range of bacterial infections and poisoning from wounds, or if they get stuck in something and they try and escape, or um, viral diseases, uh, distemper, hepatitis, rabies. Foxes are very prone to a lot of crazy things. Ah, so that's a lot. But I, that is a lot. I do have some. <laughs> more specifics on the traps and threats for foxes, especially specifically in Australia, because they're not a natural animal or predator to Australia, which is interesting. So the threats to foxes are also including humans. We are one of the foxes' biggest threats, obviously, because we hunt them, and I'm sure Nicole will go back into that a little bit. I don't know if you go into that. I honestly don't remember. Oh. Perfect. Um, well, humans in general are a big threat to a lot of nature. We're just going to leave that there. Not that the foxes' numbers seem to mind. That's true. They seem to just keep keep on keeping on anyways. That is very true. So some of the threats to foxes that we provide are traps. We as in humans, not me in particular, because... <laughs> I don't think an animal could be my favorite animal if I was constantly out there to kill it. Maybe. Uh, I mean, hunting? I don't know. I don't understand hunting all the time. I would maybe probably cry if I was out killing this foxes. This is my favorite animal. I must kill it to bring it home. No! I want its fur. <laughs> you want its bushy tail! Oh, sounds like Cruella de Vil again. Oh no! <laughs> oh, no. It makes me sad. What humans do <laughs> to try and limit the po- uh, population of foxes or set traps, shooting, or fencing, poisoning to all, in general, just control the fox's population. Of course, that doesn't work, and, you know, pops- foxes just keep having their little litters. All of those mean that it's also hard to do in urban environments. So where there's higher population of people, you can't always go around shooting foxes. You can't always go around placing poison. You can't always go around trapping foxes because some people don't know how to handle them properly and then they get hurt and it's just a whole nother cycle. So efforts now to regulate foxes as predators is mostly set to migrate the fox using baits to deliver vaccines or poison or to regulate the fertility. So depending on what's in the poison is what you could be doing to control the fox population. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. In Australia, one of the most commonly ways to manage setting baits, setting poison out for foxes, is to impregnate them with a 1,080 something. I don't know. Maybe that's what it's called. I don't remember. <laughs> but it's basically you put in uh, sodium fluoroacetate, and that's the poison that you use to um, give the fox. Okay. And you set that in. Usually it's like meatballs, like old meatballs, which okay. <laughs> sounds really weird. <laughs> I mean, um, they'd eat it. Yeah, and so you put that out, and then the foxes come along, and they eat it, and they die. The poison is... So sad. 
Uh, but the poison that they use is actually a natural occurring substance found in native plants called poison peas, and those are actually native to Australia. Um, of course they're native to Australia. Poison pea plant. <laughs> right. Poison pea plant. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways. Sorry, Australia. Uh, the native animals in Australia, obviously, because it's a native plant to Australia, have evolved with these plants um, and have higher higher tolerances. They're not automatically immune to poison peas, but they do have a higher tolerance to the poison. Um, introduced animals like the foxes, however, do not. So that's one of the reasons why they use that instead of other types of poison. Interesting. So yeah. It keeps their animals alive, but kills the foxes. Right, exactly. That Be- makes sense. Yeah. So, because the foxes kind of decline the natural population at, er, in Australia. And the reason why they do that specifically is because baiting is currently the only method available for predator control that can be used successfully over broad areas. However, long-term effectiveness of that kind of control is limited due to the ability of foxes to disperse and recolonize considerable distances. So, because you put out the bait in one area doesn't mean that the fox isn't going to get up and move. Yeah, like, uh, they poison me too often. I'm going to move to a different area now. Exactly. So, those are all of the threats that um, go to, to the fox life. Crazy. Way to go, humans. <laughs> And mites. Yes, that's true. And worms. <laughs> and all the worms and those pea plants. <laughs> You're not going to let that one go. No, it's funny. <laughs> I'm mature. Um, okay. Environment time? Yes. Okay, so foxes are extremely adaptable. Um, they can survive almost anywhere. They live in mostly the north, like the, the northern hemisphere, but they are found, obviously, elsewhere. But they, you can find them in grasslands, forests, tundras, prairies, mountains, deserts, and farms. So everywhere. Yep. But they also thrive in cities and suburban areas, which are urban foxes, like the urban mm-hmm. red foxes. So they're the ones that, like live under people's porches and decks and garages eating your garbage in parks and take your garbage um they can survive in cold winters as well as hot summers the urban foxes do so well in the cities that they're usually heavier and healthier than those in the wild because there's more food opportunities because if you think about where you live in the in your city or like your suburban life you've got lots of birds and squirrels around that makes them foxes love those So they often will live under decks or garages. Their dens are roughly three to eight feet deep, and then they can be up to more than, like, 50 feet long with multiple entrances. Whoa. Like Fox and the Hound. Yeah. And they have multiple dens. They never have just one. (laughs) They have multiple. Um, Let me go to my summer home. Right? These animals in their multiple homes. Yeah. So, like, a lot of times, like, the moms, um, 
will like have like their maternity den and then like also throughout their territory they have other dens that they can use throughout their times like either that that they found of other animals creating or like they just move along for safety reasons and then they can always return to their old dens if they want Hmm. interesting yeah so that's really all i have about their environment (laughs) because they can basically live everywhere (laughs) yeah they can live they survive and they thrive and they adapt like they that's, like, why I was kind of debating on being, like, having that fox ability of just being purely adaptable. <laughs> like, they're so adaptable. That is true. Um, yeah. Nice. Hey there, animal fans. So, this was the end of part one. Um, in part two, we're going to talk more about their lifespan, some really random facts about them, some crazy stories. So, tune in next week. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us, animal lovers. This has been the Animal Facts Podcast with Nicole and Jayla. Please like and subscribe so we can continue with your support and sharing fun animal facts with you. We are also looking forward to hearing from you, our listeners, so feel free to email us at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com with facts you want us to cover, facts you want us to correct, cool or crazy stories you have involving animals we have talked about in the past or may be talking about in the future, or any wild or domesticated (laughs) animals you'd like us to research and add to our list. We want to hear from you and feature your stories as well, so feel free to email them to us. Thank you for listening, liking, subscribing, and supporting us in our animal discoveries and adventures. And a special thanks to my best friend, Jewel, for our music. Until Until next next time. Bye! Well, here is my very last fact. There's one species of jellyfish that's practically immortal because it can revert back to its childlike state or any other part of its life cycle even after becoming sexually mature. So when it starts to get old or stressed, it'll just revert back to an earlier life cycle. So age. So that, it's practically immortal. That would be the animal ability I would not want to have. <laughs> yes. I mean, they can still die if they're eaten by something. (laughs) But for the most part, they just revert back and turn back their own time. Weird. And just keep on living. (laughs) I'm a kid again!